Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready For The Draft podcast, episode 34 of the 2020 podcast series, getting you ready for the NFL draft, set to begin April 23rd through the 25th, completely virtual draft, war rooms, not going to be at the facilities. It's going to be completely virtual. Really, I guess your war room is going to be your Zoom chat, if you will. And then really, what's the green room going to look like for all of these uh, prospective draftees? We don't have a, an actual green room physically at a site. So how's that going to play out? Really going to be interested to see what that looks like. And we made the transition last podcast from taking a look at how free agency really impacted draft needs for all 32 of the franchises to taking a look at each of the positions and really going position by position, talking about draft stock for each of the players at those positions and really taking a look at who's going to be coming off the board in round one, all the way through seven. Also took a little bit, you know, a a look at the history of the positions as well, how the draft played out in the previous five drafts. And we're going to do that again with this podcast, really hammering home the skill position players on offense. We're going to take a look at the receivers and the tight ends. You know, with the game, the way the game is changing, you know that you're going to have to have weapons there in the passing game. You can never have enough good wideouts on your team. The receivers, the tight ends, tight end is really kind of changed and evolved. Uh, you know, really, you have a lot of guys. You look at what George Kittle's been able to do uh, recently. Rob Gronkowski, when he was with the Patriots, uh, obviously, you know, Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates and guys like that really have, have what they've done for this position. Um, obviously, Zach Ertz. And, and Travis Kelsey, you can just rattle off all these tight ends that have really played well. You know, Darren Waller and Mark Andrews, some of the younger guys that have really started to make a name for themselves. So is there that guy in this year's draft that might be the next Travis Kelsey or the next Evan Ingram there for the Giants? You know, we'll, we'll take a look at these guys and, and really break things down. Um, you know, at the receiver position, there might be the next Darren Waller sitting in that group. There are a lot of big physical wideouts. Uh, so we'll we'll crunch the numbers, take a look at everything. Obviously, I hope everyone is being safe. COVID-19 really ch- kind of changes the game for the draft this season. And, and look, I want to make sure that this podcast continues all the way up through the draft because we need to have an outlet. We need to have something to talk about, have something to look forward to. And so these podcasts We'll continue on all the way through the draft. Stick with me. We'll go ahead and cover a lot of material. So let's jump right into that wide receiver position, shall we? So when we take a look at the wide receiver position over the past five drafts, what's really interesting is the 2020 draft is being compared a lot to that 2015 draft. Now, you'll remember the 2015 draft because, you know, a lot of explosive wideouts in that draft. Um, You know, Amari Cooper... Uh, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Rashad Perriman. You know, that was really the group that um, you know had the most first-round picks um, of the last five drafts with six. And really, you kind of have to go one draft prior to that to really say this is you know from a, a depth standpoint that the depth of the 2014 class really was was ridiculous. Um, you know, going back, I said we were going back five years, but. Screw it. Let's go ahead and go back six years. 2014, Sammy Watkins coming number four overall to the Bills. Then Mike Evans, number seven to the Bucks. Um, it, it didn't stop there, though. ODB. 
Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ, you know, ODB, however you want to call him, went to the Giants there at number 12. Brandon Cooks to the Saints, number 20 overall. Brandon Cooks now uh, has a new address uh, there in Houston. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin to the Panthers, number 28 overall. But then you got into the second round. There was Marquise Lee, Jordan Matthews. Um, you know, Devontae Adams falls all the way to number 53 overall there in the second round. Allen Robinson had some good seasons there. Um in Jacksonville and with the Bears. Look, Jarvis Landry, number 63 overall. I mean, who would have thought that he would have fallen that far? John Brown, a 1,000-yard season with the Bills. He went to the Cardinals at number 91. I mean, you know, this list just keeps going on and on You know, with, with wide receivers that are making an impact. Look, Ryan Grant fell all the way to round number five, the kid out of Tulane. He's still in the league making, making an impact. T.J. Jones was a, a wide receiver there for the Lions. He came off the board in round number six. Um... So this again, you know, a draft class, thirty-three wide receivers taken, and again, five taken in the first round. Now, when I say um, twenty fifteen and comparing that to twenty twenty, what I'm talking about is really the the star power at the top of the draft. And, and again, we had five receivers taken in round number one, or I'm sorry, six receivers taken in round number one, and not all of them panned out. You know, Kevin White of the Bears, you know, turned in, into a, a major bust. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, kind of up and down career there with the Eagles. Brashad Perriman really trying to resurrect his career. Uh, Philip Dorsett, more of a, a complimentary player. Uh, Devin, Devin Smith uh, didn't really pan out there with the Jets uh, coming off the board in round number two. Doriel Green-Beckham, uh, Devin Funches. So a lot of guys there at the top of the draft, uh, guys that were trying to make a name for themselves, and you know they just really couldn't gain any traction at, uh, at the next level. Uh, J- Jamison Crowder. You know, a possession receiver, a guy that I really like coming out of Duke, came off the board in round number four, number 105 overall. He's there with the Jets. I mean, come on. You know, maybe the biggest steal of this draft. I wouldn't say maybe. It is the biggest steal of this draft. Um, You know, 2015, number 146 overall. The 10th pick in the fifth round, Stephon Diggs coming out of Maryland to the Vikings. Unreal that he lasted that long in the draft. Um, So, you know, that's proof that it doesn't really matter, you know, a lot of times where these guys get drafted. Um, you know, it's ultimately what happens out on the football field. Shoot. I forgot about this. You go all the way down to round number six, 204 overall, a kid out of Georgia Tech wound up becoming a, a Pro Bowl tight end. Darren Waller went to the Ravens, you know, had, uh, you know, battles with some of those demons and uh, ended up coming off the board there in round number six. Uh, so 2015, there were 35 uh, receivers taken. I actually have 35 receivers coming off the board in 2020. Uh, six receivers in, in round number one, kind of some parallels there for my my draft. And then after that, you look at it, and I've got five going in round two and three in, in round uh, round three versus three in round two and five in round three in, in 2015. So it's kind of interesting to see some of that dynamic um, and, and the comparisons between those two drafts. In, in 2016, um, you know, this was a draft. We had 31 receivers come off the board, four in round number one, just three in round two, and, and two in round three. And then it was really loaded, you know, on the back end, five in rounds four and five, and six in uh, a piece and six and seven. Uh, but 2016, if you'll recall, you know, this was a draft that had Corey Coleman, uh, Will Fuller, Josh Doxon, Laquan Trebwell, 
uh, coming off the board in round number one. You know, those receivers really struggled to make an impact for their their franchises. Only, uh, you know, if you look at it, only Will Fuller is still on the same roster uh, that he was was drafted. You know, there in Houston with the twenty first overall pick, but. It was all about round two, man. Uh, you had Sterling Shepard coming off the board, you know, from OU uh, to the Giants, number 40 overall. Seven picks later, Michael Thomas, the stud receiver there for the Saints. Tyler Boyd, just uh, another eight picks later there, coming out of Pittsburgh to, to the Bengals, uh, really ha- has stepped up his game. Um, you know, let's see. After that, you know, Rashard Higgins and uh, Tyreek Hill and uh, – uh, you know, coming off the board in round number five, Tajay Sharp uh, there with the Titans. Um, he's actually moved on, um, you know, and, and trying to find some success elsewhere. But, uh, you know, some receivers, you know, really right there in the middle of that, you know, the first couple of rounds of that draft, um, you know, really, you know, were the standouts of that draft class. Uh, 2017, you know, you had 14 receivers taken in the first three rounds you know i actually have 14 coming off the board in 2020 um but 2017 you know 32 total receivers taken you know and that's when we you know we had kind of a drop off we had Corey davis mike williams and john uh, john ross all really looked at as first round picks and then after that it dropped off considerably after that so what happens all three of them were taken in round uh not only in round number one but they were taken in the top 10 uh you know Davis going number five to the Titans, Mike Williams seven to the Chargers, and John Ross going nine overall to the Bengals. After that, you know Zay Zay Jones, uh, Curtis Samuel, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, uh, all going in round number two. Cooper Cup fell all the way to the Rams at you know fifth pick of the third round. Um, you know Chris Godwin, man, he went number eighty four overall to the to the Buccaneers. Kenny Galladay. Just uh, 12 picks later there to the Lions. They're, you know, two guys that arguably are, are their number one options. You know, I think Mike Evans might have a little bit of say there with, with Chris Godwin. But, you know, Kenny Galladay really being that feature receiver for uh, Matthew Stafford with the Lions. D.D. Westbrook uh, came off the board in round number four for the Jags. He's a vertical threat there for them. Um, so there were some some nice picks there, um, you know, at the top of that draft. You know, and then 2018... You know, this was a year they had 33 really back heavy. They had eight receivers taken in round number six, oddly enough. Um, But you only had nine receivers taken on the first two days of the draft in 2018. And this was a draft you had DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley at the top. Um, After that, Cortland Sutton, Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington, DJ Chark. Um, You know, those were all receivers that were good complimentary receivers coming out of uh, their respective colleges, but guys that you really didn't see being that breakout star. Cortland Sutton certainly doing that in, in Denver. Dante Pettis had a nice rookie season. DJ Chark starting to come around there in Jacksonville. Look, Michael Gallup came off the board, number 81 overall to the Cowboys, and you see what he's been able to do uh, there in Dallas. Thousand-yard receiver there. Um as you go through it, Deshaun Hamilton is a, a role player there for the Broncos. They got him number 113 overall in round number four. Um, you know, Mal, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you know, the vertical threat there for the Packers, went off the board in round number five, 174 overall. Um, 
So as you go through that draft, you know, there's some, still some complimentary receivers uh, that came off the board, but, uh, you know, really a draft that kind of, you didn't have that, lack the star power at the top of the draft. And, and what's interesting when you look at 2019, only 28 receivers, you know, that was the fewest total in the last six years. Um Marquise Brown and, and Nikhil Harry were the only two receivers that came off the board in round number one. After that, my number three receiver was A.J. Brown, really a difference maker there for Tennessee. He was actually the fourth receiver taken. You had Debo Samuel. You saw what he was able to do for the 49ers, um, hoping to get uh, you know a complimentary receiver that can really play off of his skill set. Uh, Miko Hardman had a, played an impact there for the, the Chiefs. Round number two, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I think the Eagles are really expecting him to take off uh, this next season. Um, after that, DJ, DK Metcalf, you know, really the guy you saw him at the combine, the speed, but they really you worried about his, his three cone drill, the short shuttle. And, uh, you know, he ended up showing some explosiveness there for this, uh, the Seahawks fell all the way to number 64. Uh, Terry McLaurin had a nice, uh, rookie season there with Washington and came off the board in round number three. Miles Boykin also in round three, my favorite receiver. Number one on my board was Hakeem Butler fell all the way to number four. I think there were some issues with the drops. Um, he battled some injuries, so he'll be coming back there in Arizona in 2020. Um, Hunter Renfro fifth round pick there of, of the Raiders. Um, really a, a nice possession receiver. Darius Slayton, vertical threat for the Giants, also off the board in round number five. Um, so there, there are some some players that you can that can be had in the middle rounds. And look, Ola B.C. Johnson, coming from Colorado State, number 247 overall, not only makes the, the Viking roster, but a guy who I think has a future there uh, with that, that franchise and a guy that I think you know, you're going to see a lot more. He's going to play a bigger role now that Stephon Diggs is no longer in Minnesota. So, 2020, I'm looking, I, I mentioned that I had 14 receivers coming off the board in the first three rounds. And then, shoot, I got nine receivers that are coming off the board in round number four. Um, you know, I, I just, I look at this draft, and I think there are receivers to be had um, on all three days. And there's a little bit of everything. You've got the vertical threats, you've got the possession receivers, you've got the big physical wideouts, and you've got some freaks of nature in this group, a little bit of everything. And I think that's what's so exciting about this year's draft at the wide receiver position, uh, top to bottom, just a stacked, stacked group. So let's go ahead and take a look at uh, my mock draft. And really let's take a look first at these, these six wideouts that I have coming off the board in round number one. I, I think the, the, the talk of, uh, of the draft, you know, really should be CD lamb there at the top. I know there are some people that talk about CD lamb. They don't see him as being the explosive wideout. But man, you put on that ga- that game film against Texas, and the way that he was just able to manhandle uh, defensive backs, just make him look silly out there. You know, Ceedee Lamb. You know, yes, you, you know some of his, his ability to get open was was predicated on that that offense allowing him to um, to be out in the open. But at the same time, look, over 3,200 yards receiving, 19 yards per reception, 32 touchdowns. You know, this past season. Over 1,300 yards and 21.4 yards per catch. You know, a, a guy who was just really explosive on the outside, uh, a huge catch radius. Um, and, you know, he's he wasn't the burner. You know, when you watch him play, you don't think he's running all that fast. But, uh, you know, I was saying if he could run, you know, if nothing else in the low four fives, then he has a shot to be a guy that could potentially be considered in the top 10. Runs a 4.540 at the combine, uh, 6'2", 198. 
And uh, look, a, a guy who's he's physical after the catch, a guy that can get open, um, runs excellent routes. You know, I'm a big fan of, of CeeDee Lamb. I think he's a guy that um, can go there to the Jets at, at 11 overall. And, you know, I know the Jets were looking for beefing, you know, really beefing up their their wide receiver core, you know, with with the addition of Brashad Perriman. They brought in Josh Doxson, hoping that he would resurrect his career. Um, Quincy and Nunn with Jamison Crowder. But that group, they're lacking that number one, that go-to wideout, a guy that Sam Darnold can really rely on and lean on in that receiving core. And I think this is the guy. I think CeeDee Lamb, you come in there, this is the guy that's going to be able to do that, uh, much like he did for Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, so then getting to play with Sam Darnold on top of that, you know, four really good quarterbacks, all of whom have a chance to start at some point at the next level. I think Jalen Hurts has a chance. Uh, give him a couple of years, and, and we'll see where where he's at. You know, in terms of his development. But uh, Ceedee Lamb, you add that, add him to the mix. I think that makes a ton of sense. You know, there are rumors, man. If I've got Bleacher Report on my phone, and every time something pops up from them, you know, it starts making me question everything about my draft. And they're talking about how there's a lot of interest with uh, with Henry Ruggs. And you look at this group, and they have a lot of bigger receivers. You know, except for Jamison Crowder, but Crowder's really your possession guy, a guy that knows how to get open. But Doxon, Perriman, and Nunwa, all bigger receivers. What they really lack is that vertical threat. So it got me thinking, what if <laughs> what if the Jets go Henry Ruggs III at number 11? It could it could happen. Look, you know, what happened last year? Everyone was picking uh Nikhil Harry to be the number one wideout, you know, coming off the board. And what happens? Marquise Brown happens. You know, the, the lightning speed comes off the board, number 15 overall. There's a good chance that Henry Ruggs goes to the Jets. Now, Henry Ruggs, look, 4-2-7-40, you know, explosive playmaker, uh, better route runner than, than Marquise Brown was. You know, a guy, also a 42-inch vertical leap. So even though he's only 5'11", a guy that can go up and attack the football in the air. And look, only 88 receptions, but 24 touchdowns, meaning he caught a touchdown pass every 4.08 receptions, which is just unheard of uh, in terms of his his production. A guy that just eats up... Uh, the, the the cushion if you're playing an off coverage and a guy that look loves to go across the middle loves to run those slants and the thing that's so deadly about him is he'll run a quick slant he'll catch the ball in stride and the moment that he makes that catch he's getting north and south he's getting vertical he's not necessarily taking that slant across the field across the middle he wants to get up that seam and really be a home run hitter whenever possible. Sometimes he'll he'll head across the field, but you know he's looking to be a little bit uh, you know more elusive in the open field with that. So watch out for him with the Jets. Um, I think when I look at the Raiders, the Raiders to me the the feel is either C.D. Lamb or, or Jerry Judy. So in the event C.D. Lamb. Uh, comes off the board with the Jets. I think Jerry Judy goes to the Raiders. I think if Henry Ruggs somehow goes to the Jets, then I think at that point what you're looking at is CeeDee Lamb going to to the Raiders and then Jerry Judy in all likelihood going to the 49ers. What you get with with Jerry Judy is, you know, he's the, the 2018 uh, Bolitnikoff Award winner and a guy, look, you know, very explosive off the ball. You know, a guy that's really hard to jam, um, wins at the line of scrimmage. And once he does that, you know, he's he's got you in trouble. Uh, running a sub four five forty at the combine, over thirteen hundred yards in twenty eighteen, nineteen point three yards per set uh, per reception, twenty six total touchdowns in his career, twenty four of those in the last two seasons. And I think 
what what is really special about him is the route running ability. He's so sudden, and I think what he does really well is you know the the stem at the at the top of his route being able to really you know he'll use a quick jab step or you know, a plant and has that corner really in in the spin cycle, and then he'll make his cut off of off of that move. And a lot of times you'll see him on either a post corner or he's running a, a sluggo or, or something like that. And he really gets the corner turned around with a lot of his route running ability. And, and he sinks those hips and explodes out of out of his brakes. He doesn't really slow down. That, that speed really puts a lot of pressure on the defensive back. And it makes it really hard for, for them to mirror his actions. And once he gets, you know, gets the ball in his hands, he's dynamic after the catch. Um and, you know, I would say that his role with Alabama changed. You know, he went from being the guy in 2018 to, look, I can be more of that volume catcher, be that that security blanket for Tua, only, you know, averaged 15.1 yards per reception. In 2019, he let Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and uh, Jalen Waddell really be those explosive playmakers. And this guy was more of your, uh, that security blanket. You know what, when we need, when we need a big play, we're going to go to Jerry Judy. And, uh, I think that really speaks to you know a level of maturity there with Jerry Judy, really understanding who he is and and what's needed from him. Um, you know, each particular you know not only just the, the year, but even game to game, really what's needed out of him to be successful. He's got to cut out, cut out the drops, the easy drops especially. You know, I, I think you know the contested catches. You know, he needs to get you know the hands need to be a little bit stronger. But look, the lapses in con- you know concentration. You know, if you're getting vertical, you've got a guy beat. Just make sure that you catch the ball. You're going to have a big play. Just make sure you catch that football. And there were times when the ball would go through his hands or he would bobble it and drop it. He's got to cut that out. you know. And that's really the biggest thing for a wide receiver at the next level that's going to be the kiss of death. It's when you have those hands that aren't reliable. And so that's the biggest thing, and I think, for Jerry Judy that he's going to have to watch out for. And I think that could potentially be why teams may favor Henry Ruggs over Jerry Judy. You'll have to keep an eye on that. You know, the Bama versus Bama, uh, you know, that, that let, let's see what happens there. I'll, I'll be really interested to see what happens because, uh, yeah, you know, if the Raiders sitting there at, at number 12, I still think Jerry Judy's their guy um, because of that versatility. But look, speed kills. And, and the thing that I really like about Henry Ruggs is his, his route running ability. And when you've got, you know, you've got Zay Jones, Tyrell Williams, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Renfro, um, you look at that and you need, I, I think you need a speedster. I think you need a guy that that has speed. Both of those guys have it. Um, so that's really going to be the big question mark is what direction does uh, does Mike Mayock and, and company, what, what direction do they go? Um, so those are really my top three receivers. I think it's going to be any in any order there. You can't really go wrong. The one thing that's really going to throw things off is if somehow the 49ers go uh, with a corner because, you know, there's rumors that Denver may be trying to trade up. And those rumors, you know, I saw that off a of Bleacher Report. And again, it questions everything that I've done with my draft up to this point when I start seeing some of those things. And, uh, you know, Tampa talking about trading up to get an offensive lineman. You know, I feel pretty good about that because that's what I was picking all along. I have Tampa taking uh, Tristan Wurst at number 14. But Broncos taking a receiver. Who did I have going to the Broncos every single mock draft with the exception of this past one? It's Henry Ruggs. 
And I think if the Broncos are looking to try to trade up, get ahead of the Jets, get ahead of the Raiders, get ahead of the 49ers, I think they're targeting Henry Ruggs. And if that does happen, if they can get ahead of the Browns, because the Browns, look, you know, again, going back to Bleacher Report and what they're reporting with, with Mekhi Becton, the fact that you know, teams are, are worried about his, his love of food. You know, Bleacher Report was reporting that, that you know, this is a guy that loves to cook, loves to eat, and he's already a big dude. You know, there's a chance that his stock could fall. And the Browns could sit there and trade down to 15 and still land Mekhi Becton. And the Brown, you know, the Broncos could still end up getting Henry Ruggs. So what ends up happening is you get Ruggs. Let's play this out. Ruggs at 10. C.D. Lamb goes to the Jets at 11. The Raiders ultimately at 12 get Jerry Judy. And then at 13, the 49ers now, I think at that point you have to go corner and you go C.J. Henderson which then means the 49ers will go with the receiver at number 31 overall. So let's marinate on that just a little bit. We'll go ahead and move on to the next three in, in my round uh, round one. Uh, I'm looking at the Eagles. They need a, a receiver, and you're saying, well, you just mentioned that they, they took J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. But look, Arcega-Whiteside, um, less than 20 receptions, you know, uh, he – is supposed to be the answer for Alshon Jeffrey, who's battled injuries. Look, you know, he and, and uh, Deshaun Jackson both battled injuries. Nelson Aguilar no longer on the roster. He battled injuries as well. Um, Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Jackson, excuse me, um, not going to be a long-term answer, not a long-term fit there. Um, so I, I think when you look at that, that wide receiver core, you need a guy who's going to be able to get open, a guy that can be reliable and, uh, you know, really, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, they're signed through 2021, but there is a chance that, you know, either or both of those guys could potentially be, be cut at the end of the season. Um, and so the guy that I'm really targeting for them is Justin Jefferson. You know, Justin Jefferson, look, you know, for, for LSU, um, he and, and Jamar Chase, I mean, just video game type numbers, uh, over 110 receptions, 1,540 yards, 18 touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, he was a volume catcher, a guy that you know would have those explosive plays, but he just he knew how to get open, very sudden with his routes. And I, I was really surprised, you know, with his 40 time. I was not expecting him to run as fast as he did. Um, you know, Jefferson ran a 4-4-3, also showed off a 37 and a half inch vertical leap. So this guy has some speed to him as well and some explosiveness that uh you know we didn't always see there with with LSU. And look, you know, he, he was a big play, big play guy, but some of that was also, you know, dependent upon uh, Joe Brady's offense and what was really dialed up for him. But uh, I, I like Jerry Judy. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I like Justin Jefferson. I like Jerry Judy as well, but uh, I like Justin Jefferson there to the Eagles. I think it makes a lot of sense there. Eagles get a, a guy there at the wide receiver position uh, that can really help out. Um, after that, uh, I'm looking at number 22 overall, and I'm looking at Minnesota. Stephon Diggs is gone. So then you look at that receiver core and uh, Adam Thielen, Ola B.C. Johnson, they picked up Tajay Sharp from Tennessee, mentioned him earlier. But that receiver core, I, I think they're really lacking another playmaker to team with Adam Thielen. I think Ola B.C. Johnson is going to be a nice slot receiver. Uh, Tajay Sharp is more of a possession receiver. You need to get another big play guy on the outside. And I'm looking T Higgins out of, out of Clemson. And look, you know, I know T Higgins against LSU uh, was pretty much shut down by, um, by those corners out there. And, you know, that's obviously some cause for concern. You know, is he going to be an explosive playmaker there on the outside? And, and I'll argue that absolute, absolutely T Higgins can do that. And, and what pro football focus noted 
you know, I think what is really interesting is in 2019, Higgins was targeted 23 times on deep balls, hauled in 15 of those passes for 565 yards. So he's proven to be a threat down the field, a huge catch radius, a weapon in the red zone, uh, posted consecutive seasons with at least 59 receptions and finished with 25 total touchdowns. But in 2019, eclipsed that thousand yard mark, averaging 19.8 yards per reception and had a five game stretch in November and early December where he totaled 10 touchdowns performance against Virginia in the ACC championship. Put on that film. You want to talk about dominant nine receptions, eight, uh, 182 yards and three touchdowns in that victory over the Cavaliers. It really springboarded Clemson into uh, the college football playoff. I think if you team T Higgins with, with Adam Thielen, you've got a nice one, two punch there for, for Kirk cousins. And uh, you know, you're going to miss Stefan Diggs and his playmaking ability, but I, don't, don't sleep on, on T Higgins. I think that'd be a nice pickup for them. So then we move on. Who's next? I think the Packers have to get some help there at the receiver position. And that that's, I think that's a must. Um, right. I mean, it just, it makes perfect sense that you have to go, um, have to go receiver. Uh, and really what you saw out of green Bay was when you, um, take Devonte Adams out of the mix, they really struggled. You know, he, he missed four games, still hauled in 83 passes, including eight games with at least seven receptions. So not only is he one of the top wide receivers, but you can see just how much Aaron Rodgers relies on him. You know, the running backs, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams were number two and number three in terms of, of, of receiving for the Packers. Now look, the, the trio of Alan Lazard, Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling combined for 95 passes, uh, caught uh, for over 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. Alice is no longer on the roster. I like Alan Lazard. I think he's a, a receiver that uh, can be a reliable option for them. And look, if you really wanted to bulk him up, I think he has the the frame to be uh, a, a pretty reliable tight end as well. You know, that's always an option. Um, you know, they picked up Devin Funches. You've got Marcus Valdez-Scantling, the, the speedster out on the outside. I don't know that I necessarily trust his hands. Equinemia St. Brown has battled some injuries you need to get another receiver out there. And, you know, I think you need to get one fast for Aaron Rodgers before he, he blows a gasket there working with Matt LaFleur. And, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of receivers that are out there. We've talked about, you know, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager, uh, LaVisca Chenault. Um, but I'm going with Denzel Mims. 6'3", 207 out of Baylor. Look, man, ran a 4'3", 8'40", 38.5-inch vertical leap. Showed up at the at the Senior Bowl and not only displayed his his flair for the acrobatic catch, especially uh, along the sideline and, and uh, in the end zone, especially in the corner of the end zone, the body control was ridiculous, uh, showing off that, that leaping ability and the catch radius. But man, it was the blocking. I, I felt bad for Lavert Hill because he continually dominated the poor Michigan corner, just locking him uh, onto him and just driving him down the field, sustaining the block for well over five yards. And you saw that time and time again in that uh, Baylor Bear offense. And really, you know, Mims posted 1,000-yard seasons in 2017 and 2019, finished the career with 28 touchdowns. And if you really watch the tape, he wins in a variety of ways. He can beat you vertically, um, you know, can snap off his routes, come back to the quarterback as well. 
Um, uses his length to his advantage with that huge catch radius, creates late separation down the field with his arm uh, before really able to elevate over the corner and haul in the pass. Uh, tremendous with his adjustments, as I mentioned, with the football in the air, contorting his body to make sure that he has the catch while also keeping his feet inbounds, really the awareness of where he is on the field. Nightmare in the red zone, um, elevating over the defensive backs on, on a fade on one play. Then the next, he'll take advantage of that situation and win off the line with a nice slant to the inside. Uh, um, really kind of puts that that, uh, that corner again in the spin cycle, as we mentioned earlier. You know, I, I think he's a guy that I would argue is, you know, his skill set is one of the more unique ones of the receivers in this draft class. And I think he'd be a nice compliment to Devontae Adams. So those are really the six wideouts that I have coming off the board in round number one. If there's going to be another receiver that could potentially go to the 49ers at number 31 overall, I'm going to throw a name out there right now, and this could potentially change with my draft. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. I actually have him coming off the board, number 34 overall to the Colts, because I think he'd be a nice compliment to T.Y. Hilton. But Michael Pittman Jr., look, they don't have a ton of big receivers there for the 49ers. They have a lot of guys that are the exact, really the exact same uh, in terms of their body type and, and some of their skill sets. Pittman Jr., uh, over 1,200 yards, and look, you know, he, he dominated Utah uh, down the field, making the, the catches. You know, this is a guy who's very physical after the catch, hard to bring down. But, you know, throughout the season, teams put up game plans to stop Michael Pittman Jr., and the receiving core there for the, for the Trojans is no joke. They had a, have a lot of guys who have NFL talent, and really they were worried about Michael Pittman Jr. We got to stop you know, this big wideout there on the outside, you know, they're okay if some of these other guys stop, you know, can end up beating us, but we've got to stop this guy. And I think that takes a, a special receiver, um, you know, to really take all that focus from a defense and really just focused on one guy. You know, you talk about that with edge rushers, you talk about that uh, with linebackers sometimes. And, you know, to have a receiver really have all that type of focus from a defense, not just, you know, one man. I mean, it's the entire defense really making sure that they are keeping an eye on, where he is on the field at all times, to me, I think that's worthy of a first-round pick. And uh, so I think the 49ers, if they can't get rugs there at uh, number 13, um, you know, and, and they go with C.J. Henderson, I think that Michael Pittman Jr. would be the guy. Uh, the Broncos, if they don't get Henry Ruggs, if they can't trade up, and Henry Ruggs comes off the board, they still need that speedster because, look, Drew Locke needs that vertical threat. He had that at Mizzou. When Emmanuel Hall was healthy, Drew Locke was a different type of quarterback. And that was really his comfort zone, was airing it out and dropping it into his vertical threat. That was his sweet spot. He has a tight end like Albert Oebunum uh, that he had at Mizzou in Noah Fant. If he gets that speedster on the outside, Jalen Rager post a uh, you know, you know, 4-2-40 um, it was in the four twos on uh, social media as part of his uh, his workout, and that vertical ability, I think it's going to complement Drew Lock very well. So if it's not Henry Ruggs, I think they have to go after Jalen Rager in round number two. Moving on from there, Steelers. I think the Steelers need another wideout, and you're looking at it going, well, wait. Then they just draft, you know, James Washington. You mentioned that they did, and, and yeah, they, they they have James Washington, and they, they have Juju Smith-Schuster. So we know that that took place. Um, you know, Juju really needed 
Antonio Brown, though. I think with the absence of Antonio Brown in that offense, I think you saw his production drop. I like Deontay, uh, Deontay Johnson. So Washington and then Johnson in the last two drafts. Deion, uh, Deion Kane still on the roster. Ryan Switzer. But I think what you're lacking is a big physical receiver on the outside. And yes, you have Eric Ebron at tight end that you brought in. There's Vance McDonald on the roster. Zach Gentry's a nice piece there at the tight end position. But I'm looking at Chase Claypool. And this dude, he's 6'4", 238 pounds, and he shows up at the Combine. I'm thinking there's no way, I mean, this guy's going to be a Darren Waller type. And what does he do at the Combine? He runs a 4'4", with a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical leap. You know, you wonder what they're feeding these guys in uh, in South Bend. Miles Boykin, the year prior, just really surprised people with what he was able to do at the Combine as well. So I think Chase Claypool gives them a dynamic on this team that they don't currently have at the wide receiver position. And depending on what happens on tight, you know, the tight end spot, he may end up sliding into a tight end position as well. You know, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Brandon Ayuk could very well, you know, go in the first round. There's talk that he could go uh, that high. I actually am targeting him to the, to the bears. I think you need to get a compliment for um, Allen Robinson there in Chicago. And whether it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles, that's really throwing the passes there. You got to get some help. Cordero Patterson, Anthony Miller. Uh, Patterson's not really the reliable target. Anthony Miller battled some injuries. He's more of a possession guy. Allen Robinson's your number one. You bring in a guy like Brandon Ayuk, you know, who has, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily a wide receiver one, but he definitely feels like a, at least a wide receiver two. Uh, excellent length. I think that's one of the things that you definitely see when Brandon Ayuk plays. Um, you know, 65 catches, over 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns on the year. He's not getting out of round two, and I think if, if he's there when the Bears are drafting, I think you have to take him. Now, LaVisca Chenault, once thought of as a first-rounder, um, I'm really concerned about his his durability. That's really my biggest concern. He couldn't stay out on the field, couldn't stay healthy. Uh, ran a 4 5 eight, 40. Um, What was really weird was he showed up at the combine, a lot of guys wearing the tight jerseys and things like that. He's wearing this baggy jersey, and I, I couldn't really figure out why. Runs at 4 5 eight. You know that, that didn't really feel right. So I was wondering, you know, is it was it something about his, his conditioning, really what happened there? And uh, look, when Visca's healthy, this guy's can be a beast, you know. And what was fun, if you ever get a chance to watch USC and Colorado this past season, those two guys were going, were trading, you know, touchdown for touchdown, and just explosive play after explosive play. And Lavisca Chenault has the versatility to play all over the field. I think that's one of the things that's fun about watching his game. Um, you know, played in in seven games as a freshman, nine games as a sophomore, and just eleven games in twenty nineteen as a junior. Uh, so just one hundred and forty nine catches. Just, uh, just over 1,900 yards, 13, I'm sorry, 10 touchdowns, and then carried the ball 42 times, had seven touchdowns on the ground as well. I think he's explosive. He has some versatility to him. And the Rams lost Brandon Cooks. And yes, they have Robert Woods. They have Cooper Cup. They have some receivers there at the position. But uh, adding another wide out, that's going to be their, their first pick in round number one. You know, there's there's LaVisca Chenault. And uh, I think they're also going to draft Cam Akers, get a running back on that roster. Um, so that really kind of rounds out my round number two. Um, so... What's crazy is, is you can get a receiver like Donovan Peoples-Jones in round number three. And I think Donovan Peoples-Jones really uh, took everyone by surprise um, with, with what he did at the Combine. Uh, not only did he run the 4.48, but the 44.5-inch vertical leap. I mean, this guy can jump out of the building. And uh, 6'2", 212, over 33-inch 30, arms, some of the longer arms among the receiver class. And, and a guy who is absolutely explosive. And... 
you know, he really it wasn't his fault. You know, you look at Michigan, they had a bunch of receivers there. They had Nico Collins and, and Tarek Black, easy to kind of get fallen off in, in that mix. But then he also had, you know, really didn't have the best qu- uh, quarterback play. I thought Sh- uh, Shea Patterson was very inconsistent uh, the last two seasons. And look, this is a guy, just 103 receptions, just over 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns. He's going to be a better pro than he was a collegiate player. And, and really what you look at with, with him is I'm looking at Detroit at the top of round three. And I mentioned Kenny Galladay. That's your thousand yard receiver. That's really your, your, your number one. But after that, you've got Marvin Jones, you've got Danny Amendola, some smaller guys. You brought in uh, Geronimo Allison as potentially a possession receiver, but man, you get an explosive receiver like Donovan Peoples Jones, take some of that pressure off of Kenny Galladay. I think you really have something. Then you have TJ Hawkinson at tight end. Man, I, I really like that fit. Uh, moving on, um, Devin Duvernay going to the Browns. 5'11", 200 pounds, really stocky, powerful receiver. One of the guys that really racked up the the receptions. Um, was among the, the nation's leaders in receptions. A guy who you know, is, is strong after the catch. Excellent route runner. 106 catches. 1,386 yards, nine touchdowns, kind of quietly did that there uh, at, at Texas. And people weren't talking about him. Everyone still wanted to talk about uh, Colin Johnson. But it was Devin Duvernay who I think actually is going to be the better pro. And I look at Devin Duvernay. He knows how to get open. He can be that vertical threat. He can be a tough guy that goes over the middle. And uh, his ability to do a little bit of everything. I like him with the Browns. You know, Give Baker Mayfield another weapon there to go with uh, OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Uh, a little bit more uh, of a vertical threat than, than Landry is. Um, and I think he takes some pressure off of those two guys, especially sending him up the up the seam. I really like that fit. Um, and then at the end of round number three, I got a big physical receiver for the Ravens. You know, you take Marquise Brown in round number one. In 2019 and 2020, you're going with Antonio Gandy-Golden, A-G-G. Um, and I, I love Antonio Gandy-Golden. He's a big dude, very physical um, 50, uh, 150 catches there for the Flames, you know, in Liberty, um, in just two seasons, over 2,400 yards, 20 touchdowns. The catch radius is insane. Um, can get late separation. Not the fastest guy. He ran a 4.640, um, but he has has really good length. 6'4", 223 pounds. A guy to really watch out for. You know, very comfortable, easy, effortless pass catcher. You saw that in the gauntlet there at the combine. Um, has a flair for the acrobatic, really you know, good body control along the sideline. Keep an eye on Antonio Gandy-Golden. I think that'd be a nice fit there with the Ravens. Uh, moving on to round four, I think the Giants have a lot of receivers that uh, really feel like the, the same guy, the same type of skill set. You've got Golden Tate, you've got um, Sterling Shepard on the roster, and then Darius Slayton, the guy that wants to get vertical. But what you're really lacking, and they brought in Corey Coleman as well, what you're lacking uh, is one of the, the bigger receivers on the roster. And, you know, I, I think this might be a little bit higher than some people have uh, have him going, but I really like Isaiah Hodgins. He's 6'4", um, you know, 200 pounds, uh, 86 receptions, over 1,100 yards and 13 touchdowns this past season. Really a nice possession receiver, very sure-handed guy, huge catch radius, um, just doesn't drop the ball. You know, 6'4", 210, Ran a 4.6140. That's really not what you're getting him for. He's a guy that's going to be that reliable big target, a weapon in the red zone, uh, a guy that can catch the ball on the outside, not afraid to go over the middle. I like Isaiah Hodgins there. And then looking at Quintez Cephas going to the Chargers in round four. 6'1, 202. Uh, look, that 4.73, but can forget about that. He ran in the, I think, the high four fives. Um, 
at, at his individual workout. And, and with Cephas, what you're getting, you know, he always seemed to get vertical. He was winning at the line of scrimmage and was getting vertical, beating guys down the field. And, and that's really how he won there at Wisconsin. A lot of teams playing in the box as well. He was able to win off the line and get vertical and get behind guys. And uh, I like his toughness, his physicality. You know, he's going on onto a team that really only has Keenan Allen and, uh, and Mike Williams. Quintez Cephas would be a nice pickup for whoever's going to be playing quarterback. I think it's going to be Justin Herbert, but we'll have to see uh, come draft day. Um, after that, Lynn Bowden Jr., you know, really kind of that dynamic receiver, you know, played played quarterback, was a uh, running back receiver, you know, could be your Antoine Randall L guy, uh, maybe a Tavon Austin, a guy that can do a little bit of everything. I'm looking at the Dallas Cowboys, and the Cowboys, I think they need another receiver. And what's going to be fun, this is a guy that's really kind of, um, can play play a multitude of positions, and you know I think for these types of players, you know offensive coordinators can really get creative with them and, and run in a lot of different plays. You know you've got Amari Cooper, you've got Michael Gallup, um, you know Cedric Wilson's coming on on the roster, Devin Smith kind of a vertical threat, but I think you add this just adds a different dynamic to that offense. And with Dak Prescott, with Ezekiel Elliott, I think it would really be interesting to have a guy like that on the roster. Moving on to Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson of Texas mentioned him, big physical receiver. And if you look at the Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills, at some point, they're going to need to get another receiver, add weapons to the roster for Josh Allen. Absolutely. Uh, John Brown, vertical threat, little guy. You've got Stephon Diggs, who's going to be the uh, the playmaker there for them. Cole Beasley, really a nice slot receiver. But look, you know, this team was desperate for, for, for wide receiver help. They brought Duke Williams back. Um, you know, a guy that hadn't been in the NFL the last couple of years. I think he was playing in the CFL. And, uh, you know, I like Colin Johnson here. Colin Johnson, again, big physical receiver and, uh, you know, really does a good job, you know, contorting his body, making the difficult catch. Um, had a breakout year in 2018, 68 catches, 985 yards, seven touchdowns. Only played in seven games in 2019. Really struggled um, with some injuries. But I, I think he's a guy, you know, he also has the frame that could potentially bulk up and be a tight end. Um, I think teams copycat league, teams are going to be looking for a receiver that they could potentially mold into the next Darren Waller. 6'6", 222 uh, pounds. And when you look at the Bills, they have Dawson Knox, a tight end, Tyler Croft, Lee Smith. They don't have, you know, an explosive wideout uh, at the tight end position other than Dawson Knox. So there's always that potential there with, with Colin uh, Colin Johnson. Moving on, uh, Van Jefferson, a guy. If you haven't watched this guy run run routes, it, it's just it's beautiful to behold. You know, this is a guy that'll that'll beat you to the outside on one play with with one release. The very next you know very next play, he'll beat you back to the inside. Completely different footwork off the line. Completely completely different release and, and gets the receiver. You know, the corners turned around. Really gets them guessing. His father, Sean Sean Jefferson, you know, really a guy that is a savvy, savvy route runner, not the fastest guy in the world. We we knew that. You know, when you watched him there in Gainesville with the Florida Gators, wasn't going to be the most explosive receiver, but just the most one of the more reliable receivers. And I'm looking at I'm looking at the Saints. Michael Thomas, explosive receiver, we know that. Emmanuel Sanders brought in to kind of be that that number two guy, a guy that can be versatile and, and explosive in the slot. And I think getting the getting a, a receiver um on the outside there, uh, Van Jefferson could potentially be kind of like that that uh, Justin Jefferson type of guy 
in a, in the, a Joe Brady type offense that they had there uh, at LSU. I know Brady is with Carolina now, but you know, work with me here. You know, he he was a guy that you know came from the the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees, get him a, a guy that could take some pressure off of Michael Thomas. You know, they, they need to, to add some receivers there. They could very well end up taking a receiver earlier than, than the fourth round. Um, but I really like Van Jefferson. I like the fit. Uh, KJ Hill going to Seattle. You know, KJ Hill, another guy that ran a 4.640 at the combine, but a guy who was, you know, another, I don't know what they do at Ohio State. The receivers just know how to run routes, he knows how to get open. Uh, very smooth, very polished as a route runner. Not the most explosive guy, but he's not hes not going to be asked to be uh, the explosive wide out there in Seattle. Uh, you got Tyler Lockett. You've got um, DK Metcalf. This is a guy who's going to bring a completely different dimension to that receiving core. And look, this past season, just 11.2 yards per reception. And, and you know, which was really consistent with his game, just 11.6 yards per reception in, in his career. But still, you know, managed over 200 catches, over 2,300 yards and 20 touchdowns for the Buckeyes. So a model of consistency. And uh, yeah, I, I think he, he fits very well with what Pete, Pete Carroll wants to do. Now, K.J. Hill. I'm sorry, transitioning from one K.J. to another. I got I got mixed up there. K.J. Hamler, Penn State, redshirt sophomore, explosive, a guy that some people were talking about potentially in the first round at the beginning. Um, but, you know, I, I was saying for a while, kind of pump the brakes with him because he has some trouble with drops. You know, that's really the biggest concern that I have more than anything else with K.J. Hamler. Yes, he's explosive. You know, I think he struggles with, with contact. I think he struggles at the catch point. You know, go up with two hands. Don't go up with one hand. Go up with two hands, especially when, you, when you're going up in, in traffic. If you go up in traffic with one hand, what are you going to do? You know, you're not going to be able to hold on to the football unless you've got, you know, uh, stick them there to your, to your gloves. Um, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at Jacksonville. You know, they have Marquise Lee. Don't know how much longer he's going to be there in Jacksonville. You've got DJ Chark. You've got DD Westbrook. I think, you know, getting another speedster on the outside, a guy that you can, well, really you can put in the slot and be a dynamic receiver. Uh, if KJ Hamler can really work on his hands, um, I think he can be effective there for the, the Jaguars. Uh, over 900 yards as a uh, as a redshirt sophomore in 2019, uh, a guy who can also be versatile uh, in, in the return game. Um, he, he's a he's a smaller guy. He's just just five nine, and uh, you know kind of a slight build as well, which kind of concerns me. I think that's why I've moved him down on my draft board. Five nine, one seventy eight, um, shorter arms. Really starts, you know, making you a little bit more nervous as you look at this. Um, so that's why I think his draft stock is going to slide. But a guy who can be explosive, um, fourth round to the Jags makes sense for me. Um, I, I think bu- the Buccaneers sitting in the fourth round, they're going to be looking for to protect Tom Brady and get some additional weapons. I think they find a running back in round two in J.K. Dobbins. They get uh, a tackle. Tristan Wirfs in round one. They get Jonah Jackson in round three. That's my guard uh, that they can throw in there. And then I think they go with the wide receiver. And I'm looking in round four, and I'm looking for a guy who's an ascending prospect, a guy that I think is going to come out of nowhere, much like Chris Godwin did coming out of Penn State. And he was around, you know, a fourth rounder. I'm looking at John Hightower out of Boise State. Check this out. Hear me out. 6'1", 189, ran a 4'4", at the combine, 38 and a half inch vertical leap. So we know he's explosive. Um, you know, and this is a guy who, um, you know, he, he had a big play potential there for, uh, the Broncos playing on that blue turf, Albertson stadium, Boise, Idaho, uh, 943 yards, 18.5 yards per reception, eight touchdowns, 
also a kick returner, um, ended up returning one for a touchdown this past season. And he was the most reliable option there for Hank Bachmeyer, Jalen Henderson, the quarterbacks there for, for Boise State, and a guy who I think can be another vertical threat. And um, I'm looking at Tom Brady, and you have, you, know, you have Mike Evans, you have uh, Chris Godwin. You need to get some other versatile you know, weapons. And, and Tom Brady, what did he not really have? He didn't have the speedsters, the guys that are going to be able to stretch the field. And if Tom Brady's going to have a say in who he's going to bring in on the roster, he's going to want some speedsters, some guys that are going to be able to stretch the field. I'm looking at John Hightower. I think he's a guy who's just going to be a continuing to be an ascending prospect. I like that pick. And then I'm looking at the Redskins sitting there towards the bottom of, of round number four. And uh, I think at some point they need to find another receiver. And I'm looking at, at, at Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. You know, a guy who I thought was one of the more dynamic receivers this past season. Uh, Therefore, for the Gophers. Um, and, and I look at, at their, their receiving core. They have Terry McLaurin, uh, Kelvin Harmon, Cody Latimer, uh, Trey Quinn, the former uh, Mr. Irrelevant. Um you know, so there are a lot of different guys on this roster, really kind of a hodgepodge at, at the receiver position. And what I like about, about Tyler Johnson's game, you know, I think he's he's a, a guy who, you know, he, he loves the slant. This is the guy that will win a slant uh, every day of the week. You know, he's, he's more of a possession guy. Um, I don't think he's the most explosive wideout, but look, model of consistency the last two years in his career with the Gophers, uh, over 200 receptions, 3,300 yards, 33 touchdowns, um, you know, back-to-back seasons with at least 12 receptions, thousand yard receiving, uh, thousand yard, uh, receiving seasons in each of the last two seasons as well. Um, you know, he, he did, I think, you know, turn people off a little bit, not showing up to the, um, the senior bowl, and then also didn't work out at the combine really, you know, kind of messed things up with COVID-19 because, you know, some of the workouts teams didn't really get to work, you know, work you out, at, you know, like you want to see them in person. 6-1-2-0-6, I think end of round four though, um, he could very well f- slide into round five, but I think end of round four kind of makes some sense as well. So moving on to round number five, and I'm looking at the Bengals. I think the Bengals need to get another wide out at some point. Um, you're asking why you've got AJ green. They brought him back franchise tag, but remember he was injured. John Brown can't stay healthy. And then you've got Tyler, Tyler Boyd, who really needs some help. Uh, Auden Tate kind of filled in nicely. Alex Erickson's more of a possession guy. And, uh, I'm looking at James Prache. You know, this was a guy who all he does is win off the line. Um, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Cooper cup, not the most explosive receiver by any means. Um, you know, he showed up at the combine and, uh, and didn't run, um, you know, 511, 201, you know, I don't think he was going to run the fastest 40 time, probably running in the four, six range, which is exactly what Cooper cup did. But when you watch Prochet, he wins off the line constantly. And look, you know, this past season over, you know, look, 111 receptions, uh, 1225 yards and 15 touchdowns. Um, you know, which equates to, you know, in his four-year career with uh, the Mustangs, uh, 301 receptions, just under 4,000 yards and 39 touchdowns. Now, there was just a 13.1 yard per reception. He's going to be the possession guy. You've got plenty of, of speedsters on the outside. He's a possession guy, a guy who knows how to get open, a guy who can create late separation. And is just going to be a, a go-to target, a guy who has, you know, incredible hands. You just put the ball anywhere around this guy. He may not be the tallest guy, but he'll go up and attack the football. He'll be able to lay out for the ball and just contort his body, uh, the body control, the awareness, you know, where he is out on the football field. He's another guy that I really like. And, um, 
I think he ends up falling just because he could be that, that third round guy, but I think he falls a couple of rounds because of uh, just how deep this, this wide receiving class is. Um, Brian Edwards out of South Carolina, a receiver that people just kind of forget about. Um, he battled some injuries. And, and so he is a guy that I, I think slips on, on some people's radar, but he's a big physical wideout, a guy who, again, model of consistency, uh, over 200 receptions, over 3,000 yards, and 22 touchdowns in his career with the Gamecocks, just 13 yards per reception in his career as well. So another guy who you know, he can get vertical when, when needed, but he's a guy who's going to attack the middle of the field, uh, a possession guy very much so. And um, you know when you look at, at uh, what he was able to do um, at, if I can find it, at, at the Combine, um, you know, he, he didn't work out. So another guy that you, know, you wanted to see work out and he didn't, um, but six, three, two twelve, you know, decent arm length as well. Um, but a guy who I think can be a, a possession wide out. And what I'm looking at is I'm looking at the Texans and I, I think the tech Texans, you know, they, they need to find a wide receiver. They ended up picking up Brandon cooks and they could very well end up, um, taking a receiver much earlier. I had them taking Brandon Ayuk, um, and that was before they brought in um, Brandon Cooks. Um, you know, they, they made made that trade with the Rams. They gave up gave up uh, one of their two second round picks. I think that allows them to focus on the defensive line. Um, but you know, that receiving core now: Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb. Uh, Will Fuller, Kiki QT, a lot of smaller speedster type receivers. Um, so I, I think a bigger receiver, a possession guy like uh, Brian Edwards would be a nice comp- complimentary receiver for that receiving core. Moving into round number six, and these are some of the guys that uh, you know you want to keep an eye out for. Courtney Davis out of Texas A&M, a guy that wasn't you know super productive. They had a lot of receivers there. They like to run the ball a little bit too. But Courtney Davis, look, 6'1", 201, ran a 4'5", 4'40", 35.5-inch vertical leap. He's going to be a guy that I think is going to offer uh, some versatility there on the outside. Um, you know, just played in two seasons for the Aggies, left after his junior year. Um, he's a guy that could very well fall to round number seven, but a guy who I think has some versatility to him to where he could be a, an option um, in the sixth round. So I actually have uh, Courtney Davis coming going off the board to the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins, you know, looking for receivers, I think they may end up going receiver much sooner. But if they wait until round number six, that could be a selection. I'm looking at Isaiah Coulter going to the Chargers in round six, and I'm really excited about this. I think Coulter, the one FCS receiver that did not, um, that came out early, um, you know, out of Rhode Island, and, and a guy look 72 receptions, over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns um, there for the Rams and. What Coulter did at the combine shows up 6'2, 198, ran a 4-4-540, and a receiver who I think has some explosiveness to him. And I just look at that receiving core. I think he's a guy that can come in there and really be a weapon, uh, one of those versatile weapons, has the length, can stretch defenses, not afraid to go over the middle, can make plays on the outside as well, outside the numbers. And I, I think if it's Justin Herbert or or you know uh, Jordan Love, Tua. Uh, whoever is going to be quarterback for the Chargers, I think he'll end up being one of those guys, he and, and Quintez Cephas, that uh, are going to see a lot of passes thrown their way. I mentioned the Browns looking at a um, at a receiver in round three. I think they look for another receiver in round six. We talked about him in last podcast at the running back position, but uh, 
you know, a- Antonio Gibson, you know, and, and really the thing that I really like about Gibson is look, he, he's six foot, 228 pounds, very physical, um, physical guy on as a receiver, you know, over 19 yards per reception, also 11.2 yards per carry on the ground and uh, 28 yards per kickoff return, took one back to the house. You know, very versatile weapon. He, he looks like a running back, runs the ball like a running back, but, you know, he's also a receiver. Worked out as a, with the receivers in uh, uh, at, the, at the Combine in Indy. Ran a 4.3940, though. You know, so it's one of those guys, very explosive, smaller hands, you know, um, you know, eight and five-eighths inches uh, among the smaller hands in the group. So you worry about that a little bit at the wide receiver position, more so, I think, than the quarterbacks or anything else. When you've got a receiver that's going to be plucking the ball out of the air, you want to have a receiver with some of those bigger hands. Um, but I don't think that really affected him there at Memphis. And uh, I like him. You know, he could very well come off the board sooner. But with the draft class that we have, I think he ends up falling a little bit. And uh, the Browns picking him up, giving them another versatile weapon. Um, I mentioned the Jags taking a receiver there in round number four. I think they end up looking for another receiver in round six. I'm looking at Benjamin Victor or Ben Victor, as I, I believe he may be wanting to be called now. Um, you know, another guy, possession possession receiver, uh, good length uh, there on the outside. Uh, ran a 4.640, uh, but he's 6'4", 198 pounds. Another really good savvy route runner. Look, if you get a, a receiver out of Ohio State, um, chances are what you're getting is a guy who's not overly explosive, but a guy who knows how to get open. And Ben Victor, um, just 83 catches, over 1,300 yards, 16.1 yards per reception, 18 touchdowns. You know, there were a lot of talented receivers there, so not enough passes to go around. So that's why you had just 83 receptions, but he was a very reliable target. And uh, sixth round, I think, fits for him. Uh, moving on to round seven, we'll go quickly with this. The Titans, I think they need, need another receiver. Kalijah Lipscomb is a guy that I really like. Uh, a guy for a while was leading the SEC in receptions uh, in 2018, 2019. You know, you really can't fault him. Don't look at the stats. That's not going to be everything that's going to be telling you about Lipscomb. I think he's a guy who can be um, a, a nice possession receiver there. Uh, six foot, 207, ran a four five seven forty at the combine. I think going to the Titans, you know, being that complimentary receiver makes a lot of sense. The Ravens, I think they go back to the well. They need to find some more receivers, uh, receiving targets there for Lamar Jackson. I'm looking at Aaron Parker. Um, he's Isaiah Coulter's um, receiving buddy there at uh, Rhode Island. Uh, he was the, the the big stat guy, 81 catches, uh, over 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns in, in 2019 as a senior, uh, over 3,400 yards and 30 touchdowns in his career, um, 216 receptions. He's the bigger, uh, more physical guy um, in that, that group. Uh, I think he does fall a little bit because they have a lot of those same guys. Ran that 4, 5, 7, 40 at the combine. Um, but I think round number seven, Ravens, Need to get some additional weapons. I think that'd be a nice pick. Mention the Dolphins needing to add multiple wide receivers. How about you get one of the guys who ran one of the fastest times at the combine, Quez Watkins. Uh, Quez Watkins, you know, ran uh, a blistering four three five forty, six foot one eighty five. And look at, at Southern Miss. Uh, you know, he came out a year early and kind of knew that that was going to happen uh, after 64 catches, over 1,100 yards, six touchdowns, but the 18.4 yards per reception. You knew just how dynamic this guy was on the outside. And uh, I think with the Dolphins, you know, at some point the Dolphins need to find a, a dynamic receiver. I think they have all these holes in the receiver position. To me, I, I didn't think they needed to necessarily go high in the draft because you have Devontae Parker, you have Preston Williams, 
Uh, Alan Hearns coming off of the injury. Albert Wilson was a nice complimentary piece. Do you necessarily need to go receiver? Uh, maybe. Maybe you go a little bit early. Maybe you go in the third round, fourth round. Um, but I don't know that the Dolphins need to reach for a wide receiver. Um, I actually really like uh, these two receivers for them, Watkins and uh, and Davis. Uh, KJ Osborne going to the Patriots. You know that just feels like a, like a nice fit. You know this was a, a grad transfer out of Buffalo, moved to to the Hurricanes, and look, you know this was a, a, a passing attack that was really um, you know downright abysmal. Um, you know, he had over 800 yards receiving, seven touchdowns, really built up nice rapport with Tyree Jackson. In Miami, the production dropped off just 10, you know, under 11 yards per reception. Um, had 547 yards receiving, just five touchdowns. Um, you know, he, he's a guy, he actually ran a much faster 40 time at the Combine. You know, I was I was not expecting him to run a 448, 511, 203. I think he's one of those receivers, nice possession receiver. Um, actually has a little bit more speed there going to the Patriots in round seven makes a lot of sense. Juwan Jennings, a big physical guy. I have him going to the Vikings. Look, Vikings could use another big physical receiver. And we talked about that previously. And Juwan Jennings is, is a guy who's just going to run people over. There's a good chance. You know, I look at Courtney Davis. Maybe I have him coming off the board a little too soon. Maybe Juwan Jennings is the guy that ends up going to the Dolphins. Although I think the Dolphins have a lot of those bigger physical guys, especially, especially with Preston Williams on the roster. But look, Juwan Jennings, you know, 59 catches, still went over 900 yards, eight touchdowns in his senior season. If he stays healthy, you know, he had, you know, played in just one seat, uh, one game in 2017, going down to the season ending injury, but uh, big physical dude. Look, you know, I, I have him penciled in in round number seven. And, uh, you know, I look at some of these other receivers, maybe, uh, maybe a, he can, you know, his ceiling's really in the fourth to fifth round range. Um, you know, so I, I kind of regret putting him all the way down in round number seven because he is a big physical wideout. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with my final mock draft. But, you know, I, I think he's somebody who could be a steal on day three. And then Lawrence Cager to the Giants. I mentioned that they need to get those those big, long receivers. Giants, you know, this would be the Mr. Irrelevant pick. And uh, Cager, you know, he was he was with Miami and he moved to uh, to Georgia as a as a grad transfer for his final year. And uh, you know, with Cager, when you look at his his numbers, his stats, um, not overly impressive. So you can't really look at that. You know, seventy eight catches, over eleven hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns, uh, but the length. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty sudden for a guy, his size, um, in and out of his breaks. I think he could be a possession receiver, a guy that has absolute, you know, awesome length over 33 inch arms, uh, six, five, 220 pounds, um, bigger physical guy. I think he and Hodgins similar receivers, and that's kind of what the giants like to do. They have a lot of similar receivers with the speed. I think they get two bigger wideouts. I think that really rounds out their receiving core a little bit. So that's going to be the wide receiver position. I think, you know, some other guys, some other names to be on the lookout for. I really like Omar Bayless, um, you know, out of Arkansas State. Put up huge numbers for them. Ran a 4.6240 at the Combine. Um, really kind of, you know, might turn you off a little bit with that. Um, but I thought that he was the guy who showed that he can get open. Um, Chris Fink out of Notre Dame, 5'9", 186, 40-inch vertical leap. Um, just running a 4 5 7 40. Look, Hunter Renfro, he could be this year's Hunter Renfro, and Chris Fink could end up being a fifth round pick. Um, so keep an eye out for him. Um, 
Let's see. Tristan Jackson out of Syracuse. He came out a year early, 6'1", 197 pounds. Went over 1,000 yards this past season for the Orangemen. He's a guy to keep an eye out for. Uh, Juwan Johnson out of Oregon. Very inconsistent hands, but he's 6'4", 230 pounds. A guy who could potentially develop into a tight end. Um, let's see. As we go through, Joe Reed is kind of an intriguing prospect. 6'4", 224 pounds. Big physical wide out, uh, but ran a 4'4", 38-inch vertical leap. He's one of those guys that's kind of a tweener. Uh, what, where, you know, what do you really do with him? But I, I like his ability to make some plays there for the Cavaliers. He's another guy to keep an eye out for. Kendrick Rogers, um, you know, kind of this, you know, he's he's the mystery guy there for Texas A&M. 6'4", 208, ran a 4'5", 140. Um, wasn't all that productive. You know, that was a, a concern that I had. Um, I think Daryl Stewart out of Michigan State will get a look as well. 6'2", 212 pounds. You know, a guy who was their number one receiver, um, you know, can be a dynamic option. Um as well. Uh, Jeff Thomas out of Miami, 5'9", 170, ran a 4'4", 540, a guy that, you know, you can play in the slot and a guy who's going to get vertical a little bit. He's also a guy that I think would get a look. So those are the receivers to be on the lookout for as priority free agents, which then takes us to the tight end position. And I look at, at where we're at. We're a little bit pressed for time, but the tight end position in this year's draft, um, you know, the talent level really isn't isn't there at the tight end position, at least at the top of the draft. And if you look at these these last five drafts prior, uh, 2015, no receive, no tight ends taken in round number one, still had 19 uh, tight ends taken. There were 14 taken in the last three rounds of that draft. I mean, that's really incredible how uh, back heavy that draft. That was the year that Max Williams went uh, number two uh, or in the second round. And then, you know, some other guys, you know, Jesse James went in the fifth round. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy still playing with the Jags. He went off in the fifth round as well. Um, you know, really kind of a weird draft that year. Not really a whole lot of guys that are coming out that are going to be the explosive pass catchers. 2016, it dropped to 11 tight ends. I think that was really, you know, you didn't have another dynamic tight end option there. Um, you know, Hunter Henry went in the second round there to the Chargers. After that, you know, you had Austin Hooper, Nick Vanette. Um, Tyler Higby. Um, so you had a little bit of depth there at the top, but there really wasn't any depth to that draft class. Um, 2017, 14 tight ends taken, three in round number one. OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, all playmakers. Um, you had Gerald Everett come off in round number two. He's done a little bit there with the Rams, uh, emerging prospect. Um, you know, uh, Johnu Smith. Um, you know, really taking over for Delaney Walker. He came off the board in round number three, and that was the draft that we had Mr. George Kittle go number 146 overall in the fifth round. Who's going to be the next George Kittle? That's really the, the what the teams are looking for. Uh, maybe not necessarily a guy that was used in the passing game, but a tremendous athlete. That's really what George Kittle was. Uh, 2018, um, you know, 15 tight end or tight ends taken. You had five go off the board in round four. I think that was what was interesting. Only one tight end taken in round number one. That was Hayden Hurst. This was the draft that you also had uh, Mike Gesicki, Dallas Goddard, and Mark Andrews come off the board after him. A lot of people think that Hunter Hurst is really going to be that dynamic receiver that Austin Hooper was in uh, Atlanta. He's got Matt uh, Matt Ryan throwing him the football, so it is going to be interesting there. Uh, Will Disley. Uh, showed off a little bit of athleticism there for Seattle. He was taken in round number four. And then uh, if you look at, at 2019, uh, 16 tight ends taken. You had eight come off the board in the first two days of the draft. Uh, 
Obviously, the two Iowa Hawkeyes taking in round number one, Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson going to the Lions at number eight, Noah Fant, number 20 overall to the Broncos. Uh, after that, uh, Irv Smith Jr. getting some time there in Minnesota. Um, you know, and then some guys that, you know, Dawson Knox mentioned him going off the board to, to Buffalo at number 96 overall. Um, you know, Drew Sample, Josh Oliver, Jace Sternberger, uh, Kahale Waring, guys that um, have yet to really showcase what they can do um you know at this point but look like drew sample cincinnati tyler eifert's no longer there he's going to need to step up josh oliver and jacksonville they need help at the tight end position uh you know with jimmy graham you know and and uh green bay uh he's gone you know i, I think green bay needs to to get a little bit more out of jay sternberger i think green bay is going to end up looking for a tight end in round number two you got mercedes lewis sitting there you need some help at that tight end position um, Foster Moreau, I thought was a nice surprise, uh, for Oakland. Um, a guy who surprising athleticism better than, than, um, expected hands, um, there for, for the Raiders as well. So, um, there's a guy in this year's draft who kind of reminds me as the next Foster Moreau and that's Dalton Keene. We'll be talking about him here in just a minute. So when I look at, at the 2820 draft, I don't have a tight end that's worthy of a first round pick. I only have one going in round number two. I've got three that come off the board in round three. Really, the the depth of this draft is going to be on day three. I have two coming off the board in round four, six in round six, and two in round seven. So kind of back heavy uh, with, with this draft. And when I take a look at the draft, you know, I, I look at Cole Komet. I think he's the most complete tight end. I think he's the most NFL-ready tight end. Um, is he the guy with the with the highest ceiling? I don't think so. But, you know, what, what you do have with Komet is a guy who, look, he ran a four, um, let's see, a four six six forty at the combine, I believe, um, which was faster than I thought he was going to run. I'm, I'm sorry, he actually ran a four seven forty. Uh, 6'6", 262 pounds, still showed off a 37-inch vertical leap, um, tremendous athlete. You know, I thought that he's a guy that, you know, really good inline blocker. Um, I'm looking at... at uh, at Green Bay, I think they need that tight end. Whoever the, the top tight end, you know, off the, I think Green Bay is going to be the one to jump up and snatch him. Uh, 43 receptions, 515 yards, and six touchdowns. Um, I, I think what Green Bay wants to find is a complete tight end, and I think that's what Cole Komet can bring. Um, but hot on his heels is going to be Bryson Hopkins out of, um, out of Purdue. I have him going to the Bengals in round three. He could very well be the number one tight end off the board and could end up going to Green Bay. Let, let's just put that out there now. Um, I think he's a little, you know, he's also physical, ran a 4.6640 at the combine, 6'4", 245 pounds. Um, a guy who is a weapon up the seam. Um, I think he's a, a better athlete. Um, you know, they might, might have similar uh, speed vertically, but I think in terms of being able to sink their hips and, and get in and out of breaks, I like Bryson Hopkins there. Um, look, 830 yards reception. Uh, uh yards receiving in 2019 and uh had 17.1 yards per per reception in 2018 so he's a guy that shows that he can be a volume catcher when needed can also be a guy that can be versatile and, and be a weapon down the middle of the field um i really like bryson hopkins look tyler eifert is gone in cincinnati so i think that makes a lot of sense and then the saints the saints have uh you know they have jared cook they don't have anybody really behind him josh hill really hasn't been able to step up 
Here's my my favorite tight end in this draft. He's a John Mackey Award winner, went over 1,000 yards with Lane Kiffin at Florida Atlantic. It's Harrison Bryant. And the thing that I really like about Harrison Bryant is I think he's he you know he, he's a really good route runner. He's 6'5", 243, 473, 40. Not the most explosive guy, but what I really like about him is his ability to get open and make you know pick up yards after the catch in bunches. You know, I, I think he's got he's a long strider, and, and that's really what you know I, I really enjoy watching him play. Um, you know, a guy that's going to attack the football in the air. He's a guy to me can be that dynamic receiving option there for uh, for New Orleans. Um, after Harrison Bryant, I think the next guy that you really have to look at and target after that is going to be Adam Troutman. Now, the thing that I really like about Adam Troutman is, you know, this is a guy who's just a, a versatile, dynamic weapon, you know, for for Dayton. And I use dynamic a lot, um, but you know, with, with Troutman, what, what's so impressive is look: seventy catches, nine hundred sixteen yards, fourteen touchdowns, uh, thirty-one touchdowns in his career. A guy that just dominated at that FCS level for the Dayton Flyers, and uh, a guy who I think can be an inline blocker a little bit as well. Six-five, two fifty-five, ran a four-eight forty. Looked to be really straining um, with a lot of the workouts, but I thought what was really impressive was the six-seven-eight three-cone drill. So this is a guy that can really sink his hips, get in and out, in and out of his cuts, and that's really how he wins is with a lot of his breaks. Um, and I, I like him going to the Patriots. I think he's a guy that the Patriots are going to target. And look, Albert Oe Boonham with, with Missouri ran that four four nine forty. We knew he was going to run fast. That's one of the things that you really knew about Oe Boonham. I don't think anyone knew that he was going to run that fast. I think Oe Boonham could end up moving into the round two discussion and could very well end up going to the Saints. I mentioned that Harrison Bryant, uh, but when you run a four four nine, teams take notice. And this is a guy. He struggled to stay healthy at Mizzou. When he was healthy, he was a favorite option of Drew Locke. Um, you know, as a freshman, 11 touchdowns, um, had 98 catches in his career, um, over 1100 yards, 23 touchdowns, but only played in nine games in each of his three seasons with the Tigers. And that's going to be the biggest concern. And that's why his draft stock may fall. And that's why we're talking about him potentially in round number four, uh, Thaddeus Moss, have him go into the Cardinals in round four, you know, six, two, 250 pounds, um, had the, the fracture in his foot. Uh, wasn't able to compete at the combine, um, but you know a, a nice receiving option. 6'2", 250, looks kind of a buffed up uh, wide receiver. Uh, showed excellent body control um, with his you know with his hands. Can be a weapon down the field. A guy that's going to attack the middle of the field as well. I don't think that he's necessarily the best. Uh, blocking option, if you will. So if you're looking for a blocking tight end, I don't think Thaddeus Moss is going to be that guy. I don't know that he's necessarily as explosive as some of the other tight ends in this draft class. Um, I think round four, round five is about the right fit for him. Um, Hunter Bryant, I have him going to the Jaguars in round four. And look, Hunter Bryant, he reminded me a lot of Evan Engram with the way that he played on the outside. Big, you know, he looked like a bigger physical wide receiver and really presented a lot of mismatches against um, safeties because he would split out wide and then he, he would line up in the slot, be an inline tight end, um, really a versatile option um, there at Washington. And he was really productive as well. 52 catches, over 800 yards, just three touchdowns though, but you know, a guy who, look, 16.4 yards per reception in, in his career, I, I think he can be a guy... For, for Jacksonville, they need to get another another tight end, you know, a pass catcher there. Um, really don't have that option on the roster. You know, you've got other guys that can be those blockers. You've got James O'Shaughnessy, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, Tyler Eifert did 
show up on the roster, but he can't stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, then I, I think, you know, Hunter Bryant still becomes another weapon there for Gardner Minshew. You do have Josh Oliver, um, but I, I think getting a guy like Hunter Bryant on that roster just gives gives them another weapon in that passing attack. Uh, Devin Asiasi, I'm looking at him in round number six, going to the Washington Redskins. Um, what I like about Asiasi is his ability to stretch the defense up the seam. 6'3", 257, uh, faster than I thought, ran a 4.7340. Not the most explosive guy, and that's what I think is is you know, a bit of a cause, cause for concern. Um, you know, not the most explosive guy, but a guy who can be a dynamic blocker. Um, I think that's one of the things that you saw there at UCLA blocking for Josh, uh, Joshua Kelly. Um, but you know, really all of his production in 2019 was a transfer from Michigan. Um, you know, but first full season there with, with the Bruins, um, cut short due to injury, but in 2019, uh, 44 catches, 641 yards, four touchdowns, a guy that, again, can get down the field, down the middle of the field, up the seam. Um, I think putting him in in Washington with the Redskins, uh, I, I think makes some sense. Washington in, in need of a tight end. Um, Jeremy Sprinkle, Richard Rogers, Logan Thomas on the roster, Vernon Davis no longer there. Um, so I think that makes some sense. Um, moving on from that, Cheyenne O'Grady, you know, the Dolphins, they have Mike Kosicki. I think they need another tight end option. And the thing with, with Cheyenne O'Grady, CJ O'Grady, um, you know, he was also also went by for a time there with Arkansas. 6'4, 243, only ran a 4840. Um, had some issues off the field with Arkansas, ultimately left the program. Um, but when he's when you know when he was there on the roster, he was a guy that again um, could break some tackles, can get vertical up the seam. Um, 87 catches in his career, really over three seasons, uh, 967 yards, 12 touchdowns, and look, he only played in eight games in 2018, slow due to injury, and then in 2019, only played in seven games before leaving the team. Um, so I, he's one guy that I think is kind of the question mark is that mystery is he going to go higher uh than expected it, you know teams have to do their interviews do their homework with him he's also a guy that could potentially fall out of the draft not even get selected at all um so that's going to be an interesting pick there uh, Josiah Deguara I think is a guy for Cincinnati um the Bearcats kind of did a little bit of everything could be that that H back and could also be the tight end and inline blocker one of the more powerful tight ends in this year's draft class and I think the New York Jets need to get a, a tight end. Um, you know, you, you get guys out of Cincinnati, you get guys like Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, he's 6'2", 242, ran a 4'7", 240, 25 reps at 225 in the bench press. He's one of those guys I look at at the tight end position that could potentially be uh, another George Kittle type. He's not going to be the as fast as George Kittle who ran in the 4.5s, um, but I think he can be one of those weapons. And you know, when you're talking about the Jets and you're talking about Sam Darnold, you need to get guys that can be a reliable option in the in the passing game. They have uh, Ryan, uh, I'm sorry, Ryan Griffin. They have Christopher Herndon on the roster. They need to get another pass catching tight end. Don't be surprised if Albert Oweboom ends up going to the Jets much earlier in the draft. By the way, I think if you get him with some speed and then potentially get either Ceedee Lamb or Henry Ruggs the third, um, you really have helped Sam Darnold out. So I really. The more I sit here and look at it, I'm like, I still think DeGuara would be a nice pickup here. They already have Trevin Wesco as the fullback. I think, you know, Jets may or may not be the option, um, but I think DeGuara is a guy that's going to come off the board in round six. Jared Pinckney, look, everyone was talking about him as the number one tight end in this year's draft class. I have him fallen all the way to round six. I think the Colts 
will do their homework with him, see if everything checks out. Look, over 114 receptions in his career, over 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, had 50 catches for over 700 yards and seven touchdowns as a junior. And Vandy's offense really sputtered and really slowed in 2019, played in only eight games. And look, he only played in in an entire season just once, and that was as a junior. So there are some concerns there. Um, Ran a really abysmal time at at the combine, ran a 4.9640. But I think he's one of the more complete tight ends in this year's draft class. 6'4, 257. And I think you know Chris Ballard will do his homework. And if he if everything checks out um off the field with him, then I think he could potentially be a steal there at the end uh of, of their of their draft. Um Dalton Keene, Virginia Tech, going to the 49ers in round six. I look at him as being another potential Foster Moreau. That was the guy that I was talking about. And I thought, you know, better than than expected athleticism watching him at the combine. Again, 6'4", 253, 4'7", I've always seen him as a blocker. You know, ran a 7'07", uh, three-cone drill. I think that was second fastest only to, uh, to Adam Troutman. Um, and a guy showed off some pretty good hands, really comfortable catching the football uh, there for... Um, you know, at the combine, you know, didn't really have, wasn't asked to do that a whole lot there for the Hokies. Um, you know, he's, he's one of those intriguing prospects, a guy that's going to be a day three pick. You know, just caught 59 passes, um, just 748 yards and eight touchdowns in his career. Um, never went over, you know, 28 catches or, or 340 yards. Um, but a guy who I think could be that number two, number three tight end. And, and when you look at the 49ers, they have, um, they have George Kittle, but behind him, Ross Dwelly. You know, you need to have another guy that can be that versatile option, and I think Dalton Keene can end up filling that role and uh, be a nice compliment there for for George Kittle at, at tight end. Uh, Colby Parkinson going to the Cowboys. Now, I've mentioned a bunch of other tight ends. I'm kind of surprised myself that I have Colby Parkinson going here, but it's more so because of the team. I think he's ultimately going to end up in Dallas. Dallas desperately in need of a tight end. Um, they could potentially be on the market for Albert Oweboonham earlier in the draft, but uh, if they wait until round six, Colby Parkinson, I think they trade up if they're going to go after him. Ran a four seven seven forty at the combine, um, but six seven two hundred fifty two pounds. Um, really a weapon up the seam because he's able to use that height to his advantage. A red zone nightmare. Um, teams just do not want to see him going there. You know the ball going his way. I mean, because he is so big, uh, just boxing guys out, really look like a basketball player and, and a man among boys, you know, 48 catches over 500 yards, just one touchdown in 2019 had seven though in 2018. And when you think of Stanford, you know, tight ends, you think of, of Zach Ertz and you think of uh, Austin Hooper and uh, there's Levine Toilolo that's out there as well. There are a lot of tight ends to come out of Stanford. Colby Parkinson's uh, Colby Parkins is going to be next in line. Um, I think he's going to be a better prospect than Dalton Schultz, who's already on uh, the Cowboys roster. And that length, I think, is really going to be intriguing for for Jerry Jones and company. Uh, rounding out the tight end spot, you've got Charlie Tomopeau going to the Chargers in round seven. Reason why I like this, they lost Derek Watt, the fullback. Um, they have Virgil Green there as number two tight end right now. Um, after Hunter Henry, who was uh, they used the franchise tag on him. But what I like about Charlie Tamopea, look, he's 6'4, I'm sorry, 6'2, 240 pounds, a guy who can fill that H back, fullback role, can also be the tight end. Um, 6'2, 240 pounds, 4'7, 540, 36 and a half inch vertical leap, ran a seven flat three cone drill. Um, so another guy that. You know, it shows that he can sink his hips, can get in and out of his breaks. It was a nice receiving option there at Portland State. Um, in his career, 
went over 100 catches, 117 receptions, um, over 1,800 yards receiving, and 11 touchdowns. Um, three straight seasons with at least 450 yards receiving. Um, you know, really, his, his breakout year was as a sophomore in 2017, 45 catches, 673 yards, and, and three touchdowns. Uh, as, a, as a junior, uh, 20.7 yards per reception as well. So a dynamic pass catcher and uh, a guy that I think, like I said, can fill a variety of roles. That's really what Derek Watt was able to do for them. And I think that'd be a nice pick for the Chargers in round seven. And then the Falcons, Falcons need to have another tight end. Um, you know, they, they did bring in Hunter Hurst uh, to man one of the tight end spots, you know, especially now that you have Austin Hooper playing in, in Cleveland. So you had to make that trade. You bring in Hayden Hurst. After that, you know, Kari Lee, Jaden Graham, Carson Meyer on the roster. I think you have to find a tight end. They may go tight end earlier in this draft. I mean, it's entirely possible. But if they don't, I'm looking at Steven Sullivan. I think this is a guy that's going to be a seventh-round pick and be one of those sleepers, a guy that could be a dynamic pass catcher. Um, he's 6'5", 248, ran a 4'6", 6'40", 35-3", 8-inch arms. I mean, just huge wingspan for this kid. And uh, 36.5-inch vertical leap. Um, a guy who's going to be more of a vertical threat. I don't anticipate him being the uh, quicker-than-fast category. Um, I think a guy that struggles to really sink sink his hips to get low and um, you know played in just you know in his three seasons played in in uh, in just 24 games, uh, but a guy who has has some tr- intriguing upside, intriguing athleticism. He could be a seventh round pick. Could be one of those uh, priority free agents that come off the board as well. Um, so he's going to be one of those guys that's going to you know, be on the bubble. Uh, as a draftable prospect. Uh, other guys to keep an eye out for, Jacob Breland there at Oregon. He showed that he could be an explosive option. Really, the biggest question is going to be the medicals. We don't really know there, um, but uh, off to a great start in, in 2019. Six in, Through six games, 26 catches, over 400 yards, and six touchdowns. I, I think if the medicals check out for him, he's going to get himself drafted. Uh, Sean McCown out of Michigan, 6'5", 242 pounds, you know, as I started talking and started looking at some of these these tight ends that I have being drafted, I like, the thing that I like about Sean McCown is his versatility, his blocking ability. Look, Richard Rodgers got himself drafted much earlier because he was able to block. Um, and, and I look at, at Sean McCown, I think that's where he's going to end up falling, probably in the fifth or sixth round range um, if I were to redo uh, my draft. And look, I have another week, so let me work on, on day three, and you'll probably see some tight ends uh, shuffled around here a little bit. Mitchell Wilcox ran that 488-40, you know, really looked shaky catching the football. Uh, the South Florida tight end, 6'3", 247, um, you know, undersized as it is. And, uh, you know, I thought that he's really going to have to work hard to convince teams to take him. Look, 100 receptions in his career, over 1,300 yards for the Bulls uh, there at USF. But I, I just... I don't know if he's going to be that option. Um, I like Charlie Werner there at Georgia. Uh, underrated athleticism, 6'5", 244 pounds, ran a 4.78, 40, 34.5-inch vertical leap. He could potentially be another Foster Moreau type player. Um, and then Dominic Wood Anderson, 6'4", 261, not a speedster by any means. Um, and a guy who I think is is probably going to be a, a blocker could potentially come off the board in that sixth to seventh round range because of his blocking ability. And some of the pass catchers that I named off could potentially fall out of the draft. Um, 
and be those priority free agents because, look, teams still have to run the football. They still need to uh, protect their quarterbacks as well. So some of these blocking tight ends that I mentioned that I don't have coming off the board, I think they end up getting drafted when it's all said and done. I think you're still talking about 14 to 15 tight ends ultimately drafted. You're going to have a couple of guys that will get signed as priority free agents that uh, could end up making the roster when it's all said and done. So we made it through all of our receivers and all of our tight ends. Um... You know, and that's 35 receivers taken. Plus, we talked about some other guys that are going to be those priority free agents, along with uh, another 14 tight ends. Plus, again, about four or five tight ends that could be those priority free agents as well. Um, so we covered a lot of ground in just a short period of time. Hopefully, that helps you get ready for the draft. Get ready. You know, some of the names to really think of when you're talking about the receiver and tight end position. I think there is some star power at the receiver position. A lot of receivers that I'm expecting to have breakout seasons uh, as rookies. And I'm looking at, you know, day two. You know, there are a lot of day two picks. Who's going to be this year's, um, you know, Devontae, Devontae Adams or this year's Michael Thomas, Tyler Boyd, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, you're looking at some of these receivers, you know, Michael Pittman Jr., kind of borderline, you know, first, second round range, in my opinion. You got Jalen Rager with his speed, Brandon Ayuk, uh, kind of a do-everything guy, LaVisca Chenault, if he can stay healthy, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Devin Duvernay, you know, and that's, you're just sitting there at day two, um, you know, with CeeDee Lamb and, and Henry Ruggs and, and Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, uh, Denzel Mims, a lot of big names at the top of this draft, you know, inevitably there's going to be somebody in day three. Who's it going to be? Who's going to be that guy? I mean, that's really what I want to know. Is, is it going to be Van Jefferson? Is it going to be uh, John Hightower with his explosiveness? Can we see James Prochet really break out as a possession receiver? Isaiah Coulter, is he going to be that that uh, FCS receiver that really breaks out? Um, you know, Or is it going to be you know Aaron Parker, the more physical uh, wide out there? Um, you know, it's really going to be a lot of fun. Jawan Jennings, I have him in the seventh round. Um, really can't believe I did that. I think he may end up coming off the board much sooner, possibly in round number five. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of different questions there. Um, you know, who's going to be that guy, you know, and then the tight end position, you know, Adam Troutman, you know, a name that keeps coming up. He could potentially be that tight end, um, who ultimately ends up taking everyone by storm. Look, Albert Oweboonam, if he can stay healthy, that dude's a, you know, a speedster and a guy that could be a, an elite weapon. Cole Komet. Um, Bryson Hopkins, um, the more complete tight ends in this draft class. Harrison Bryant, I, I think pass catcher extraordinaire. Thaddeus Moss, uh, Hunter Bryant, the undersized tight ends who could be pass catchers. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting at the skill positions. And uh, you know that's really, we've, we've taken care of the skill positions. So the next podcast, we're going to look at the tackles, the guards, and the centers. So everybody there up front on the offensive line, um, you know, I think Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, Tristan Wirfs, uh, Andrew Thomas, your top four t- uh, offensive tackles. And then there's really a drop-off after that. You've got jo- Josh Jones, Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wilson, uh, Ezra Cleveland coming off the board after that. The guards, you know, uh, you know, big physical dudes like like Robert Hunt and, and Damian Lewis um, and Natane Muti and, and John Simpson. You've got the you know technicians like uh, John ja- uh, Jonah Jackson and uh, Shane Lemieux, Ben Bredesen, Calvin Throckmorton, uh, nasty guys like Logan Stenberg and and uh, and Kevin Dotson, um, and, and you know. Movers and shakers like like Solomon Kinley, 
Uh, and then at the center position, I think, you know, Cesar Ruiz, versatile guy, the only interior lineman that I think has a first round grade. Uh, but you've got, you know, Lloyd Cushenberry, Matt Hennessy, an excellent pass blocker. Um, Tyler Beattis coming from Wisconsin, you know, as a Wisconsin offensive lineman, he's going to be well coached. Uh, Nick Harris is one of those guys who I think can play tag, I mean, guard and center as well. And then Danny Pinter, a kid out of Ball State, a guy who can play all three positions there. I'm sorry, all five positions, I really should say. Um, you know, he, he can play tackle, he can play guard, he can play center, probably on either side, probably going to play in on the interior of the line, can play tackle in a pinch. Um, but that versatility, you know, it's like Graham Glasgow. You, know, you look at what he he's able to do with the Lions um, at, at guard, talked about, you know, or at center, I should say, and then potentially being moved to guard there with the Broncos. Um, so I, I think there's there's a lot to talk about, a lot of, you know, nice players who are going to be the sleepers that could potentially fall into the, the round three, round four, round five range that, that teams can really jump on. Um, you know, we've got a lot to talk about. And uh, with the draft being, you know, uh, just next week, you know, we've, we've got, uh, you know, very little time to, to get through it all. So we're going to fire these, these pot, these next few podcasts, fast and furious. We'll take care of all the defense D line linebackers and defensive backs. And then we'll end things out with my final first round mock draft. Give you a little bit of sneak peek on, on day two and a little bit on day three as well to round things out. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and get everything wrapped up. We'll move on into the weekend. And I hope everybody is staying safe, uh, social distancing and such. For readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.